0: This episode is brought to you by Roundtable Group, the experts on experts. We've been connecting attorneys with experts for over 25 years. Find out more at roundtablegroup.com.
1: I'd like to welcome my guest today, Dr. Douglas Coleman, Senior Vice President of Natural Products, and Dr. Susan Hewlings, Director of Scientific Affairs, Nutrisource Grass Associates. Both are co founders of Substantiation Sciences. Tell me about how you started out as an expert witness in sports nutrition or um, food science.
0: Well, actually, my first foray into being exposed to that there was a world of medical legal um, uh, um, consulting or medical legal work, if you will, was while I was um, involved in both oncology patient care and in HIV research there was one of the companies that had an HIV medicine that was coming to market that I participated doing some uh, expert related work to what was going on their label at the time that has to go through FDA and then gets on market. So that is different than expert witness work, but that was my opening to say, Hey, there's a whole nother world here uh, in, in medical legal, if you will. And uh, then you know, later on, uh, as my nutrition career grew, it became much more, uh, uh, I became exposed to working with a lot of different law firms for a variety of projects. And then sometimes uh, a somebody behind the scenes would be needed or an expert would be needed.
1: What types of cases are you usually retained for?
0: So the uh, amongst the different cases that both Dr. Ewing's and I have worked on have been uh, cases where there's been lawsuits of company versus company,
1: Mm-hmm.
0: um i would also say there's been uh regulatory uh agencies of the government versus a company uh, that's another area yes um, and um
2: individuals okay. in a company we've been involved with that where yes. an individual tries to claim that uh said dietary supplement had ad- some adverse medical effect or something like that
0: class actions yes. mm-hmm. uh, um, you know uh, and there've been a variety. Uh, I remember one of the cases that we had some involvement with was overlapping with so many different other areas uh, of expertise, uh, not necessarily for us. Meaning they needed a few. It was yes. an unfortunate uh, a gentleman that um, had an, uh sustained some type of injury in a gym, and it was amongst his first or second times in that gym. And that gym, like many do, when somebody's new they give uh, a new member, they usually give one to three free personal training sessions to try to welcome you to their club and then plus try to upsell you to personal training sessions. So apparently the person got hurt in the gym and upon the advice of the trainer also took a product that then made his situation worse. And uh, so then th- they needed, you know, uh, physical therapy experts, they needed uh, medical experts, they needed nutrition experts, they needed, you know, for side, potential side effects. Could it do this? These type of things. So that one was complex, but also from my vantage was fun.
1: So when you first started out as an expert, it is a little daunting. It's different than regular work. There's a lot more to it. What do you think you have found along the way that has um, made you more successful as an expert witness?
0: What I'd like to do is, if okay with you, is share that question with Sue, because we often work as a team, and uh, we all, all, also have different experiences and perspectives. You know, um, um, I have more experience than Sue uh, uh, doing in-court testimony, but we both have a plethora of experience writing expert reports that are used uh, in cases. Uh, another thing that I would say, just as an aside before uh, I ask Sue to take over, is A great many of these cases seem to get settled before they ever go to trial. So you end up doing a lot of work and then it goes away.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) And you never actually testify, um, um, you know, there is depositions, but nothing in in actual court. So Sue, do you mind sharing, like what was your first experience like? And especially because you had a different uh, uh, background than me coming from academia uh, and research into doing expert work.
2: Right, yeah, Um, well, I, mean, I knew about expert witness. I have a, a good friend who's a PhD nurse practitioner and she has done the, her whole career. So always knew it was there. Um, and, and Doug's the one at first kind of brought me into it because you first have to realize you are an expert, <laughs> right? Like you're like, oh, wow, I've actually been doing this long enough where I am I am now you know, qualified as an expert. And um, Doug and I already knew we work really well together. We've ri- written a lot of stuff together. We've worked together for years since uh, college. And we work really well together. And I think it's, it's also knowing your strengths and capitalizing on those strengths. Um, and so like we get on Zoom calls and we talk through it. Doug is, and he's really good as far as being an expert witness on the fly. Like, you know, being able to defend us on the fly. And I'm the, I'm the person who goes the deeper dive side, does the reference, does the report. And then we, we kind of like mix our areas of expertise and, and, and uh, we do have a lot of crossover, but that actually helps. And I think the, the biggest thing is um, that we learned is to stay in close contact with legal because oftentimes we're coming from two different backgrounds. Doug and I come from more of like the science clinical background get the legal. Um, and sometimes we'll try to interpret what they're asking us for the reports and we're way wrong. So close communication, making sure we ask and not doing too much work And then they're like, that's not what we wanted at all. Cause we've definitely had that happen. We've done this whole report that we've done this total deep dive. We spent hours on it. And the lawyer's like, um, this could have been like a three sentence. (laughs) So making sure you're really clear on what you're being asked and making sure your deliverable matches your ask is also really important because, um, on the other side of our careers, we've done a lot of, of substantiation of marketing claims. Um, and a lot of deep dive into science for that substantiation. Sometimes that's needed for the witness reports, and a lot of times it's not. So it's really understanding the ask and not trying to over-interpret it. We've gotten much more efficient at providing the reports, I think.
0: One of the things that I think that we've also learned is something that carries over from research. And when you're working as a principal investigator or a co-investigator in research, one of the things that you look to do probably in real in regular life too is manage expectations. So in this way, when you're working working with law firms and you're working on complex or even easy cases, you still have to manage expectations. So that's knowing, all right, what date do you need need the report for? What are the highlights that you are looking for? What do you think some strengths are? What do you think some weaknesses are? Where are areas that we can introduce something that you may have not thought of? I'm thinking of they as being the lawyer, right, Uh, on the other part. So we like to manage those type of expectations and also get a clear cut kind of calendar timeline of when everything needs to be pristine or draft pristine. That helps because once you have good communication, um, uh, it's easier to uh, be successful in what you're doing. Whether it's successful for the client at the ultimate, that's something different. We've worked both sides, if you will. There's a lot of variety of types of cases that come up.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I think that's the other thing. I think that if you stick with the basic premise where our our input or our response, if you will, um, is driven by the science, and it's also just sticking to the individual points that are being pe- being put forth by legal and answering those points with the science. And then really, if you do that, you can't go wrong.
1: Have you been retained as an expert for government cases?
0: I have been brought in as an expert um, on regulatory cases, uh, but has not been on the side of of the U.S. government. I don't have anything against the U.S. government, (laughs) okay? Because they're they're listening, and we welcome them. But um, uh, quite honestly, it's been uh, for somebody. Let's say that the Federal Trade Commission, Mm -hmm. uh, 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 and when I say somebody, it could be a company. It's not an individual. Um, although it could be, uh, or somebody that had an FDA issue. Sure. Okay. One of the things that I think that makes doing expert witness work unique, different than expert work, there is a difference, is that as an expert witness, you have to qualify yourself for the court. And it's it's in the statement, it's in a mandatory statement, and you have to uh, basically spell out what qualifies you as an expert and why. And then either that could be challenged, right? By uh, the other, uh, by the opposing counsel. And then the judge has to do a ruling, a, a, a Dalbert ruling, I believe it's called. And so then you could be, if you survive a Dalbert challenge, then you are, there's not a term for it, but then you're kind of certified as, yeah, you're confirmed. Now you're, you've survived even a legal challenge as an expert. Again, the attention is in the details. Um, I'm not a great writer, but there are writers that I like. So Hemingway was a writer that I like. Uh I'm uh, uh, and one of the things I was taught about him is he uses or used rather, not really with us, um um the least words possible to describe whatever he wanted to say. He was concise. The sea was rough, you know, my friends, whatever it was. I think that becomes important for when you're even in every section of a report, but for when you're detailing what qualifies you uniquely to be considered an expert in the area that the case is about, you know, uh, I, I will tell you that I've worked, we've worked intellectual property cases, right. Patents and and know-how secret sauce, if you will, if you're McDonald's um, uh, as well as, you know, civil litigation or class action suits and others. And it all uh, being particular to the detail uh, matters. Uh, and my point is that you could spell out what makes you as an expert, but then you have to make sure that you address the questions that the court is asking you to address.
1: Sue, have you been an expert witness as far as testimony or deposition before? I have not,
2: no. I have done mostly the, uh, the reports
1: and sure. the background
2: um, research that's required. No, that, that's the face.
1: Sure. I was going to say part of some of, of being an expert witness is the presentation of what you provide to the opposing counsel, because as with everything universal, there's different personalities, there's different approaches, and you almost have to be well versed, right? That you, you need to navigate some tricky situations. So is there anything that you do Doug to prepare yourself before a testimony, or is there prep work that your attorney provides to you before you guys face camp the other opposing counsel?
0: But I do think that there's probably standards of industry, if you will, Mm -hmm. standard practices. Um, I've testified in in cases and written reports and testified in cases um, since I would say uh, the late 90s. right? And one thing that has always been a common theme is if you're going to appear in a deposition or the court case, Of course, you're having all the communication with the lawyers and you're having everything that you're doing, but usually either the night before or the morning of, they meet with you, Mm -hmm. whether it's for dinner, coffee, breakfast, whatever. They go over their highlights. They tell, you know, and um, so that's one thing to understand. But in order to prepare, I just make sure that I have good communication with the lawyer. I know uh, because they always have a good feeling and know what the other counsel is going to primarily be asking about. Make sure I'm well read on the topic. That translates also to having when you're actually testifying, whether it's deposition or court to also some tips I would share is take your time with your words, right? Um, You know, discuss what you would like to discuss, but don't over talk.
2: Sure. Yeah. And And I think both of us have a background teaching, especially teaching at the graduate level. Um, both of us have experience doing that. That helps a lot because you're, it, you know, you're good on your feet, so to speak, right? You can respond to a question on the fly um, that could come not from what you've prepared for the lesson, especially when you're working with graduate students. So I think that gives a lot of uh, experience. And um, I agree with Doug, I think think thinking and being concise, taking your time to speak and all the lawyers that we've worked with have given us that, that recommendation, that coaching up front when they talk about it and it it varies on the case first of all if i'm re- like a lot of times they only want one person as the front and i just do the background work and then other times they wanted us both involved but they've all said the same about what so i think doug i just want to emphasize what doug said being concise and thinking before you speak type of thing taking your time
1: well let's move into contracts really quick um when you guys have that initial consultation with with the attorney, right. And they're asking about your credentials and backgrounds. And what do you think of this matter? How do you guys prepare for those? And then what are some best tips to, you know, put your best foot forward? Like, do you hold back some information? Cause you're like, Hey, are you looking for information to see if you have a case or are you upfront and able to know that that initial interview is really a meet and greet? How do you guys handle those? And then how does it then translate to the, the contract for special terms that you may or may not add later? as a two-parter
0: <laughs> yes we're pretty uh, straight you're really good as a lawyer by the way
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm gonna say
2: we are very this is like we, i said we have a lot of things that we are similar on um we're both gemini's first of all mm-hmm. uh but we're very sh- straightforward there's no i mean we're not holding anything back this is i mean because here's the other thing if somebody wants to find out something all they get to do is google us Sure. You know, so, yeah, so um, we're just straight up. This is what our areas of expertise are. This is what we have to offer. We work together. If you don't want us to, we don't have to. And we lay that all out on the first time. And like we said, it goes back to that good communication. So we, I think right from the get go, we established that. And I think most lawyers appreciate it. They're busy um, and that's the way they want it to be. They don't, you know, they don't really want it. us holding anything back.
0: Sure no, and, uh, but I would add that also um, when we, you're having this interview conversation with the lawyer sometimes uh, or, right sometimes you already know what the case is or what it's about. So you could do a little bit of due diligence to to see what was filed, what are they saying and then what are the issues from your perception and then you hear from you know the counsel what they say <laughs> the issues are and then you're able to have an intelligent back and forth and and you're also able to illustrate that you have insight, and that you know what you're talking about, and, and then you could discuss the nuances of the issues. Uh, uh, most of the time, what I find is that when you're having this conversation with a lawyer or lawyers, and you show that you already know about the topic, you know, the, it, it becomes more of a formality of um, um, the rest of the process of getting actually hired and then working on the case.
2: Sure. Plus, I think also uh, we do due diligence in the forefront to determine whether or not we have any conflict of interest, because we want to make sure we just put that up right on the first meeting you know that's that's important
0: too i'll give give one example there's two two companies that are that are suing each other and then have been suing each other for the last couple of years you know um it happens i guess in every industry this one is beverage both sides have reached out to us multiple times can you be an expert for us and then each of the times uh, uh we turn we say no and actually also and they ask why I said, well, there's a perception there's a perception of a potential conflict of interest because as an individual, I was at one of the somebody that works at one of these parties, their wedding. Mm. right? So in, like at the, so therefore that's a perception of a conflict. I, I'd rather not even get involved, especially when both sides are asking us, can you go you know, which is uh, um, it's not like you're going to get a bidding war to sign a baseball contract. That's different. But you need to be upfront because. The 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 lawyers and law firms you work with they don't want to be caught by surprise by anything either during discovery phase or other you know aspects of the case.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And and sometimes you know when we get those initial calls of like, hey, we're looking for this expert witness, da da da. They are very hesitant to always provide us the names of the parties, and that's something we adamantly have to have just for our own personal conflict. And then in turn for expert witnesses, to your point, um, you might have already been associated with the other side. Um, How about, you know, what's really good about podcasts is some stories that we can, you know, add to the flavor of being an expert witness. Is there any ones that you two that come to mind that were learning lessons for you or examples of either to improve yourself as an expert witness or like a a aha moment?
0: I had a couple of Aha moments and learning lessons during, um, especially during depositions, uh, a- as well as during um, working with lawyers and law firms, both Sue and I, in writing the reports. Again, because to make sure we're not over delivering or under delivering, and that we're right on the target, and we have the and we understand what they're looking to drive home. Sometimes we are also opening their eye, their 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 eyes to things that they were unaware of, um, as well. Because of our knowledge of regulatory and science. So, you know, one of the things I I remember having an aha moment uh, during a case when I was on the stand and this was a particularly long day. It was about, it was the full day I was on the stand and it was at the end of the day. And I don't know how it works. It was a federal case, but the judge says, I have some questions I'd like to uh, ask the witness, right? The expert witness. And the judge asked me questions and which I didn't uh, a judge can do anything they want. Right. But I, I, I didn't know that part. So uh, that was a learning lesson. And the second part was in my mind and I was very happy. I did not verbalize this. The judge actually asked me the only questions that actually mattered for the whole case. I was asked nonsense questions for seven or eight hours or six hours plus lunchtime. Um, uh, uh, but the judge had three questions and they were really at what was at the heart of the, the whole case. And in my mind, I'm like, finally, somebody actually asked the right question. And uh, um, yeah, so that was an aha moment too, learning that judges can ask questions and that you could be on the stand, if you will, for a long time. It doesn't mean that you're going to be asked the right questions, um, uh, you know, and whether that's for the plaintiff or defense, that just happens.
1: Right. How about you, Sue? Anything like behind the scenes that, you know, you mentioned early on that sometimes you go into the expert reports and you write what you think is what the angle is, and then it's only three sentences. Anything else, though, to just streamline or that were moments? Not that I can
2: think of. That was a big, that's yeah. the big one for me. Um, yeah. That, and I think also, and we've mentioned this, I think realizing um, that there could potentially be uh, lawyers who would have an issue with us working together. That was another thing we realized. We didn't, I, I didn't think that was going to be the case when we went in. Um, you know, that there would be any issue, because it's like, you're getting two for the price of one in a lot of ways, you know, in a lot of ways. But, um, but yeah, I think that was another realization was like, oh, we have to do more conquering and dividing on this than I thought. I mean, I realized that only one of us was going to be able to do the deposition. And I'm sure that eventually I will do some of that as well, you know, depending on topics, if there's topics that fit better for me, and et cetera. But yeah, I think that was the other thing is finding out that that wasn't always going to be the case. And it's not like I could just work in the background and not disclose it. We have to disclose it. So um, yeah, it's uh, that, that was the only other thing I could think about.
1: Yeah. Great. Well, thank you guys both. I really appreciate your time. We're just almost right there on the mark. Is there any closing comments from either of you about just being an expert witness in general?
0: Um, one closing comment that I'd have about being an expert witness is that it gives you an opportunity at the same time to educate or re-educate uh, yourself about the legal process and about how the legal process actually affects the rest of society almost in everything. Uh, so whether it's from regulatory or just from the laws of the nation um, and understanding how the court systems work, it gives a great insight. And I think that um, is a valuable uh, positive also to bring, bring home from it. Absolutely. Yeah. And an I think that level.
2: exactly. And I think it's a, it's an excellent source of, um, you know, uh, of revenue to generate for yourself at a certain point in your career. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Um, you're providing a, cer- a very important critical service with your knowledge and expertise that you've spent years and years developing. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's a great, uh, you know, it's the ultimate side hustle for the expert person. <laughs> um, and, uh, it's a lot of work. I mean, and nobody should be like, think that you're just going to go in and someone's going to verbally ask you questions and you know, it's easy. And like this conversation podcast, no, it's a lot of work and you have to cross your T's and dot your I's and those lawyers, they hold you to task. It's definitely labor intensive. It's not for everybody. It's definitely not for everybody, but we find it very rewarding.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast discussions at Roundtable. Our show notes are available on our website, roundtablegroup.com. Subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening apps.